0: here to warm you up is Scott Reid, CTV political analyst, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Nice to have you, sir. Happy Monday.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think people of my many attractions, I don't think uh warming people up is one of them. I just don't think that's how people want to be introduced to their week.
0: Yeah, yeah all right. So, uh, listen, uh, we can start with uh, what you're kind of chuffed about, which would be that uh, Toronto won the Grey Cup.
1: Absolutely, man. Come from behind victory, dramatic, breathtaking, improbable victory. Uh, the last two minutes of the game were startling and played in beautiful Saskatchewan. Regina's got a brand new, beautiful stadium. It was fantastic. You know, I love the CFL. And, you know, freaking Toronto, man. When they get in the Grey Cup, they win the Grey Cup. They were not the best team this year, arguably not even the best team in the game, and yet they always win. Since 1971, every time they've been in the great cup they won the gray cup as something else
0: did you have any money on it
1: I did. I did have a money, but I'm I, a little bit of money. But I'm a sucker. I I went with the crowd. I thought Winnipeg was surely going to dominate, and uh, there you go. I'm happily the loser for it.
0: Okay, good to know. So, um, kids are in school today. There is no strike on the table. Government and the workers have reached a deal. I've been saying in the first hour and a bit of our show that I don't want to be a scorekeeper. I'm just happy we have a deal. But maybe you want to keep score and award points to one side or another.
1: Yeah, I'll be this kind of wanker. I think that this shows us how negotiations work and how they work for good. Like to me – Immediately last week when the union put on the strike notice, I immediately thought, you know what, this is a hard brass knuckles negotiating tactic. It means that the union leadership is saying, let's make sure we've got everything that we can out of the government. Let's ring them, maybe we'll get one more little concession. They got a little teeny weeny bit after that, but basically they agreed to the deal that they had when they did the strike notice. I really thought it was just about, you know, your classic negotiating tactic. You put a lot of tension in the system. And then you can say to your membership when they go to the vote, hey, guys, we got everything that it was possible to get. I really thought it was a classic set of negotiations. And I know people hate it. I know people hate the uncertainty. I personally felt there was we were always going to end up with the te- uh, the teachers' uh, support workers on um, back in, in schools today. And I actually think it's a testimonial that if you stand back and let the parties negotiate, don't use a notwithstanding clause. Don't try to legislate people back to work. Don't try to bully away their right to strike, you're going to end up with an OK result. I think this is an OK result.
0: What do you see ahead this week for um, the inquiry into the declaration of the Emergencies Act? Because this is kind of the big wind up. I mean, it's like the Oscars when you get to best movie. Uh, We're going to have a whole bunch of cabinet ministers and the prime minister who are going to be deposed.
1: Well, I, it's going to be dramatic. First of all, this doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, my former boss, Paul Martin, was the second prime minister in history to appear under oath at a judicial inquiry. Should it will be the third. So, you know, this happens rarely. Plus, we're still in a place where. You know, the facts here are contested. It is not crystal clear if you've paid close attention to the testimony which way this ball bounces. You know, was it a situation where there were options left available to the police? Was it a situation where common sense tells you that all the practical options after three and a half weeks have been exhausted. So it's gonna be interesting to hear the perspective of of the politicians. Some will stand up well to the spotlight, some will stand up poorly. It will be interesting to watch to see who performs well and who performs weakly in this circumstance. And I think finally, it's gonna be really interesting in light of last week's testimony. To me, the, the real sort of like, oh my God, cover your mouth shocking moment of this increase so far is the RCMP commissioner saying, yeah, she had a file saying that it didn't need to be invoked, that she had a plan on operationally, that would allow uh, for the other options, but they ran out of time at the cabinet meeting, and so she never got around to presenting it. Consequently, the political leaders never heard that. Like, it's just a bizarre finding. I mean, the the kindest way of characterizing it is that the RCMP commissioner um, just, like, took a complete dive off the diving board. It makes no sense. But, you know, we'll get to hear what the political leaders say to that, because how could it be that she could be so disconnected from the ministers and the prime minister that they weren't aware of what she was thinking? And yet
0: that's what her testimony is. I'd be curious, actually, if you can give us a bit of insight. Uh, How does the prime minister prepare for this? I mean, is he going to be sat in a room and they're going to pretend to interrogate him?
1: Yes, um, absolutely. If you're wise, you know, you you do a couple of mock interviews. Uh, you do a couple of mock appearances. You try to recreate the conditions, uh, relatively speaking. Treat it like debate prep is what you do. You try to generally recreate the, uh, the situation, put them into a circumstance where they'll feel relatively familiar with their surroundings when it's happening for real. You put at least as tough a set of questions to them as they know that you're going to get um, when the event itself is live and um, and you test their soft spots. In addition to that, you have other sort of, you know, what I would call tabletop meetings where you talk about, you know, how you want to manage your tone, what you want to make as a point of emphasis, uh, what issues you'd rather talk about more, what issues you'd rather talk about less. So for sure, if you're doing this well, you're going through all of that work. Um, Now, I will say that based on my experience, Justin Trudeau also does debate prep differently than any leader I've ever worked with, Um, much less structured, and he's generally performed well in debates. So, You know, it'll be interesting. I have no idea how he prepared for it. I know how my old boss prepared for it. I know how I think most leaders would prepare for it. Not positive. I know how Justin Trudeau would prepare for it.
0: Uh, Elizabeth May is back as the leader of the federal Green Party, which for me, Scott, maybe I'm being overly dismissive, is kind of like casting information from a television show that is not broadcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, like. The most obvious point to make about this is who cares? Um, so, I, you know, until they prove that we need to care about them, the Green Party does not get uh, to be cared about. That's the way I look at it, particularly when they're recycling Elizabeth Green, who I've known a long time and I have a lot of affection for. But my God, it's been a rocky road recently. But I do think there's my, my second point is we're kind of missing the story as we're obscured by her. And that is they have this bizarre experiment that they're conducting. They're going to have a Joint leadership. So they're going to have a a young guy who's going to be working, presumably, behind the scenes on all the boring stuff like traveling the country and trying to build up membership and increasing financing and all that sort of stuff. And Liz is going to be the person in front of the camera. Like, I think it's a really bizarre thing. I, you know, maybe I'm just like an old white stick in the mud, but I think leadership is something that is conducted on an individual basis. I place my trust and my focus on that individual, I try to assess their values. I don't know how this joint leadership thing works. I know the companies that have joint CEOs almost always end up in the dirt. So I'm going to be fascinated to watch that, even if it's about a party that frankly has kind of lost the thread in
0: my view. Meanwhile, the um, World Cup of Soccer gets underway and FIFA president, Jenny uh, Infantino, delightful name, uh, gave a press conference yesterday where I I don't know what he was really trying to do, but I guess he was trying to say, okay, Not such a great country, but everybody get off it. Just horrible.
1: Today, I am the migrant worker. Today, I am the soccer star. Today, I am a blubbering soccer (laughs) executive fool. Um, You know, it was just... I guess I can kind of see conceptually what he was going for. To me, it was almost an unpaid advertisement for what's wrong with this organization. It has no sense of touch. It is detached from reality. It's probably been halfway's on the take for years and years in terms of the way it's conducted its businesses. I think that, you know, going to Qatar was a dreadful error that we're all trying to dance around day in and day out, make excuses for condemn all. It's just so, you know, to me, I was like, Well, there you got it. Uh, FIFA, an organization in
0: failure. Yeah, it really is one of the great all time. I mean, they make the the Olympic committee look virtuous. I think FIFA is really one of the all time rat bag organizations on the planet. So watching their chief try to apologize for being in Qatar is uh, is something else. Thanks a lot, sir.
1: Thank you. Have a good day.